digital ownership is powerful. Like you can own a digital race car. It's the same thing as playing Gran Turismo back in the day, a race game where you 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 never thought you own a Lamborghini, but you can race in one. But you can own a digital one, you know, and flex. And now the kids, the kids are flexing everything digitally. My daughter, she does it in VR. She does like not, keep it to a minimum. We try to keep the IRL, but I think that this world is digital. Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption, Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Today, we're joined by a disruptor and innovator at the helm of global B2B e-commerce and B2C. For over seven years, this leader has been instrumental in blending PC, browser, and gaming engine technologies to form new paths in e-commerce. It's today where we've got Web3, blockchain, and our guest is dedicated to exploring digital realms, and he's at the forefront of virtual and mixed reality, transforming how we interact with digital content, making virtual commerce more immersive and interactive. He's a trailblazer using digital twins and in industries raising from automotive to fashion to healthcare and sports and redefining consumer interaction. He brings to the table a unique insight into VR and AR and their impact across various sectors. So join us as we explore the world of digital innovation with Jimmy Hess, co-founder and CEO of Mode Meta Studios. How's it going? <laughs> Happy to be here. You hear that? You hear the crowd. We need these sound effects, right? I felt the crowd. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. <laughs> it's going great, Jimmy. Uh, you know, we've done campaigns for digital twins like years ago, but it was only in like very heady engineering, like cybersecurity, like you know, high tech spaces. And then it was really hard to wrap your wits around, and it really didn't have a lot to do with consumer interaction and so forth. So before we dive into that, I want you to tell our audience, what's your fundamental ingredient for like your personal one for disruptive innovation? I have to, I have to go back to your intro because you use, okay. uh, I guess, catch, catch terms of the day, whether it be mixed reality, virtual reality, augmented reality. And I think um, where we are right now, where we have to go and you're going to hear this everywhere and you didn't mention it, but it's going to be, it's spatial computing. It's, okay. it's a uh, spatial environment experiences. Spatial computing covers, covers it all because some of these experiences are just virtual where you're completely immersed. And now some are a combination of the two uh, where you have MR, 
you're going to hear spatial computing a lot this year. And uh, it, you're not hearing a lot yet, but it, it, it covers all of the digital layers that are already being formed over everything we see in real life today. You know, I love that you bring this up because we're always at the forefront of new stories coming out and new terms. And, you know, I like that you bring up spatial computing because it is mixed reality. It is virtual. It is AR, but it's also the physical universe reality, right? And I find that really fascinating because, you know, before you create space in which to put something in, right, it comes with an idea. And so now that's a great way to help people think about it. Like, what space are we creating this for? Is it mixed? Is it just virtual? Like, what is it? I'll go as far to say it's every inch of reality is currently being painted with digital layers, whether it be you're using your ways to get, you know, travel down the, down the road and it tells you there's a Dunkin' Donuts at the next exit. For us, that's old technology, uh, you know, kind of, yeah. right. if you're not blazing a trail, that's already been done. You know, you, you have map, map points and things like that. The way we see it and, and, and many others like us is that every single thing you see can be augmented with digital cues or digital endorsement. It's already happening at a level that no one even knows. Right, which is what we're going to talk about just a tiny bit today, (laughs) right? But I think that's a mic drop statement. Every inch of reality is being painted with digital layers. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, you've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this before this was cool. You've been into it. There's been something, a principle that's guided you in disruptive innovation. What's that been for you? Uh, so there's two moments at about the same time when I was introduced into the first virtual reality experience uh, by my partner, who was in gaming uh, for years, AAA game titles, Activision. Um, and he came to me. He left gaming so that we could build. You know, he had a dream of building more realistic experiences, not games, but knowledge transfer vessels. Knowledge where you, where games can be more than just game games. They can teach. You know, uh, they can uh, train. And and this was the vision, gosh, 10, 11 years ago. And he came to me with a cool, uh, the old Samsung VRs. He had a phone in the plastic headset. And he said, you're the, I really want you to look at this and tell me what you think. Uh, I, I think it's the future. And I put it on and it was Coldplay playing on a stage. And it wasn't digital. It was, uh, you know, the 360 virtual cameras someone had had recorded them and confetti was blowing past your eyes and it was <laughs> it was You're like totally a, like what <laughs> it was like a viewfinder but not even like version two to me you know like remember the viewfinders where you click through the pictures yeah totally right. I love so, those and and then that was a virtual experience in in essence but um and I laughed at it and I said man I don't know that's not even I, you know and I walked away a uh, little while later, another friend introduced us. We got together and we immediately dove in a couple months later. We started the company in 2015, 16, 17, somewhere in there. We've had a couple different iterations. But um, I, I went into a Oculus VR. So I'll fast forward to the next experience where I started okay. really trying. If I'm going to start this company, I want to be where everyone else is in virtual spaces. So I went into it. There was an old chat, not a chat, but an experience called VR chat. And I, I was in my, really? my, yeah, it was called VR chat. It's been around, gosh, 10 years now, 
still working, still people are still in it. Oh, it's, it's pretty intense. But um, uh, I went in and I had the headset on. I had this is the dev the dev headset for the Oculus. And I walked into a room and I was looking at this beautiful uh, Manhattan uh, apartment overlooking the city. And I looked to the kind of the right, and there was a guy, not a guy. There was a figure standing there in a suit with a big red ball for a head. And it was way, you know, kind of in the distance on the side of the room. And I looked and it moved. I didn't know it was a person at the time, but they said, it's okay, you can come in. And I've never experienced, experienced something so surreal, yet realistic at that moment. And how powerful that was that I was standing in a Manhattan apartment and someone just introduced themselves to me uh, and said, it's okay. And it was one of the founders back then, people that started VR chat. And it it was mind blowing. It was the it was so powerful that I could be somewhere else and someone else could be there. That every there's very few moments in your life that every hair stands up. Right. You know, one of them is from fear. Another is just from a feeling you've never experienced. And right. I still, it still happens again. Like my oh own wow, there you go. It was that powerful. So that was the moment, and I was I dove in head first from that point on. Wow, and so. What is that for you, that guiding thing? It's just like, you know, it's being able to see the vision of the future, being able to see how everything's changed or, you know, something that makes a huge impact on you. Like, you know, some people say, oh, yeah, that's really cool. But you decided to go in and do something with it. Yeah, I think it was it was serendipitous because, you know, a friend had a similar vision and he hadn't even dove into the extent of it. And I did. And I, I, there are just moments that click and you're like, we're, we have to do this. But the only problem at the time was, because we're, we're talking about true digital twins in the state that they're in today, the technology, was right. that then it was still just a game. There right. was no confusing, you know, reality with, with that experience. Even the apartment, it was a three, you were inside of a game, inside of a, a game engine and you knew it was a game. You were somewhere else. But it's still, there's no way it could stand up to, you know, the, the rigors of your brain. Your brain's like, ah, it's not real. It's clearly right. somebody created that with a game engine. But fast forward, or, or we can fast forward, because from there, we just, we just started building. We knew the technology would catch up. And that was always our goal, is to create the most realistic digital twins. They weren't even called, called digital twins back then, uh, just digital assets, digital mm -hmm. uh, yeah. prototypes. There was, there was, you know, anything you could make that you could go into VR and and hold it or you know inspect it. And that was the beginning of uh, for us all the possible applications. It's it's everything you can do in, in real life. You can do digitally and in many ways more efficiently, um, more cost effectively. Uh, you think about. I've been watching the old uh, or not old. There's the show. Um, is it uh, for all, all mankind on uh, Apple? Yeah. Apple. And uh, it's it's an alternative reality where we kept the space race continued on through past going to the moon once. When when you when you watch that, they use history and design and how you know they work together to to make a, a the U.S. and the Russian space station combined. But back then, they just had to build it and hoped it worked. Building these huge prototypes. The U.S. would have one module. The Russians would have another. They would yeah. finally get together and then think about the how terrible it was they didn't fit in space or, you know, all the money lost and time lost. And they're like, we have to rebuild the whole thing. 
And these things, these uh, events happen multiple times in the show. And that's just the beginning when you could do it, you know, virtually and have digital twins of them and go through even down to a molecular level now, how you have O-rings fail on on rockets, you know, back then that caused, you know, catastrophic Cataclysmic catastrophes, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And those could have been avoided if only, you know, at a molecular level, they were able to test, you know, what an O-ring did below freezing or, um, and, and now you can, you can, you can simulate at a molecular level. So it's bonkers. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it is bonkers. And you, you, you <laughs> said something and it's kind of really hard to wrap your wits around, but that's a really good example, right? Like just at that point, O-rings, right. And simulate it down to the molecular level. So you can see what will happen in certain conditions. That makes total sense. Right. And, right. And, and not to even go a step further, but now you have AI. You could have AI looking at those simulations, run a million simulations, and it might be something as simple as um, that rubber or whatever that earring's made of fails at 17 degrees. We already know that. You know, it's been been in other applications or it's been, you know, it can pull from all of this data and test it before, you know, wasting time, money, and potentially lives or injury. Right. So AI, even with the digital twins, is another thing i don't even know oh, how to it's say another it. whole right it's, it's a whole other thing on <laughs> top of it right well let's go into the area of like fashion right or you know consumer products or like car dealerships are, are using this right mm-hmm. you know what is the like as far as a digital twin there like okay i get it in science i get it in rocket science and so forth but what about with a car or with a car dealership, like how would that be being used and how is it changing the game for consumers and also for manufacturers and dealers and so forth? Yeah. Well, you touched on a few big, big sectors there. First of all, consumer wise, think about just humans in general. There's things that drive people to buy a car. One, they attach to a car emotionally, right? So if you can make a stronger more emotional attachment at multiple points. Think about um, how many people shop online now since, you know, we had this paradigm shift since COVID where, you know, everyone is buying to start buying their cars online, having them brought to their, but the, I the difference that. is, I, yeah. Was, it's I have, amazing. I don't have to go to the dealership. I don't have to wait in line. They, yeah. Right. So I don't have to but, spend but what's more hours for, picking out a car going through FNA. Like, yeah. yeah. But what's missing from that experience is, that same, you know, I refer to the, the powerful emotion of my first VR experience, but that hair standing up on the back of your neck where you you sit in that car, maybe you you hold the steering wheel or uh, you you start it and you feel it start. Yeah. These are the things that are still missing a bit online. That's what sold me on my first sports car is hearing right. it rumble, starting the car and hearing it rumble. Of course, it was in it was on the showroom floor of the <laughs> dealership. Which magnified it even more, but I was like, "That's my car, <laughs> right?" And and now, and, and I'll kind of touch on we we, we did a um, a campaign a while back that when the new Ford Bronco was being launched, and we 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 played with all of these things and test and and market tested it where you picked your car out and then the last button you hit to say share that model that you built, you hear the engine start or you know and you're like, "Whoa, what was that?" And you know, it sounds pretty good, right? Like you, you heard that that start, and that oh wow, that's amazing. And we played with um, the other, you know, everyone knows social media is huge now. 
So you say you, you build that car, but you don't know if you want that one yet. But say you save that design and immediately shared it to all your friends on Twitter or Instagram and say, I think I'm going to get this car. What do you guys think? Or I'm looking at this one and this one. What do you think? And that can drive, you know, their friends say, I like the green one. I like, you know what? But, but it becomes more exciting. All of a sudden, you've got all the emotions. Like, oh, I think I'm going to get the green one. Everyone loves it. There's all right. of these, you know, and, and you don't get that at the dealership. You don't get that interaction. No. With and, you know, the dealership doesn't get that data either to know, like, what inventory to buy or yeah. what can be popular or, you know, even down to the manufacturing level. But once you can get the consumer on that site and you hold them there, obviously, customer retention, the biggest goal of every company, they're having fun. Um, you know, they're, they're building it. It's exciting. And then there's a next, another whole layer. We, we could, you know, you could share it on your, your wallpaper immediately. So you look at that car every day. You haven't bought it yet. You didn't hit that button yet. But you turn your computer on tomorrow and that's, you know, pops up as your wallpaper. That's on a very basic level, right? But right. Um, there's just, there's so many touch points now with digital that you don't even have with that personal shopping experience. Have you ever been shopping and the only person that blew it was the salesperson? You're like, God, I don't like that guy. He's pushy, you know, like, yeah, you know, that, 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 that's all going away. I think it's not, it's like you said, you bought online. My, my partner just bought his new car online. He loved it. He loved the experience. He got to take as long as he wanted or as little as, or he as wanted. little as he wanted. Right. Yeah. How does it work with digital twins when you're building a car? Because that's one of the fun parts of buying a new car is you build the car. Are you in like, do you have a VR headset? How does that, I mean, how does that work as far as digital twins? So when we build, uh, we decided, well, years ago that we would always build the highest resolution digital twins we could possibly build with our current computing power, current GPUs, our current graphics. And, but with that, down the road, you, you could you can have once a say a business, we'll move to business. Once a business has that model built, they can show it off in any way they want to. I'll refer to a client I talked to just this past week. Two years I've been talking to them about this. They've spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on marketing, staging, photo shoots of their products. Um, and still on their website, they use real pictures and they use, you know, they set it up, they take the picture, and then just like you, you never. When you're shopping, sometimes you see a picture of something and it kind of just squirrels it around in a circle and, you know, you can yeah. see it from different, yeah. even angles, but different, uh, just see different parts of it or zoom it. Like but, when you're buying jewelry. I'm a Right. Yeah. yeah you, can, you can hover over it, but that's, yeah. that's, it's almost annoying now to the point where like, oh, we can squiggle it around. That doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't get me excited. Right. We, we've seen things in, in different, different ways, but he, it, it hit him. He's like, well, I don't want to build the whole thing. Like, you know, like a car configure, right? I just want to be able to look at the item, like look at it. And I was like, well, that's a digital twin. That's what I've been, you know, kind of, we've, we've talked over two years of gained his trust, you know, he's in a pretty, uh, pretty big industry. And uh, he says, so it's just digital twins. It's not like a configurator buying system. I'm like, no, a digital twin is, we could do your whole inventory. All 12 of your new items are about to launch completely digital. And he's like, yeah, but what about like the marketing videos? Like you, you have like these 20 second videos where you see the item. It's like, wow, it's all exciting and shoots different angles. And somebody produced it. And he's like, well, look at this video. I just, I just paid for this video. It was $6,000. And I was like, it was 20 seconds. He paid $6,000 for a 20 second video that he can never update. He can't use it again. That model goes away in six months. He has to pay another $6,000. I was like, man, I, I just don't. 
you know, people are scared of new things, right? You know, the way they've always done it. But what if I told you I could make you a video with far greater resolution of your product down to the bolts, down to every single, you know, we could explode it and you can look at the the deepest part of that product. And you're really, it's not, you're just, it's not like you're building a, a picture right. or an image. You're actually building the thing. Right. Digitally. 100%, a complete copy. And, and what's the impact of that? Because most people, they, they're only comparing it with like a, a picture, right? Like a mental image picture that they get from a picture, a two-dimensional. This is different. It, right? It's very different. Yeah. Very, um, very and it has dimension and, you know, space. And I guess it's third dimension, three dimensions. I don't know what dimension it For is. sure. Yeah. yeah. And it has emotion. I've said that. I've used that word probably too my detriment when I talk to new clients and I, and I describe things like the car experience, like when's the last time you got a new car and they tell you and, and you're like, you remember that feeling, right? Like I'm not getting this feeling looking at your product on your website right now. And you, they pay a lot of money for, you know, whatever that marketing company or that website company. And I'm like, I'm not excited about that. Doesn't excite, does it excite you? And they're like, you know, like, it's just, it seems so simple that you have to bring it down to that level, that emotional level. Like what is going to keep people looking at your product? And it's those different layers. And the, so so the VR thing with the virtual reality headsets, the mixed reality set, headsets, the spatial computing hardware that is yeah. coming onto market. I was just reading before we came on uh, today, CES has, has passed recently. Yeah. Obviously, everyone knows the metas, the, the quests. The, um, there's a couple other. The big one is the Vision Pro that's releasing first week in February, I think. Uh, yeah. The Vision Pro, it's pricey, but for Apple, it's not. It's $3,500. You pay $16 for a phone if you buy a new Apple. You know, but it's, they have waited, like they always have, tablets and their their watches. Well, their last big launch was like the, the watch. Was that 2015 or something? Mm -hmm. but, um, but now they, they've waited and they've taken it all in and they're releasing a headset that's going to, the, the industry is going to be, is not ready for it. And that was probably the exact, uh, quote I read today from other people at CES, and they're like, the industry's not even ready for what Apple's releasing. Like, no one has caught up to the, unfortunately, no one else is on that What's level. What's the significant of Vision Pro that's, that, like, the industry isn't, the industries aren't even caught up yet? Uh, well, some of it we haven't seen yet. The demos are going to yeah. start, uh, I think, this month. So I'm excited about the demo. And their demos, I've never seen anything like this. Just, just if you haven't heard about the uh, Vision Pro demos, you will go to the store and they will scan your face and then they will build the the proper like surround. So you have zero light that gets in. And, and it, this is a whole, ex a whole experience in itself. Like when you go to test a, a vision, it will be a 30 minute. You can't just put it on and try it. Mm. You'll be scanned. They'll, they'll make it perfect for you. And then they're going to walk you through what it can do, which we, we, we don't know everything yet, but, uh, what do you think? Oh, I think it's going to be because it's pricey, but they're it, it, it's meant to be a high end consumer product, but also a um, a business product as well, for sure. B two B, it will for for training, for design, for manufacturing. There's some high end headsets that are being built specifically for that manufacturing, working together, building you know a new car together from. 12 different locations or a hundred different locations where every engineer is in the, in the room. Like and just all of that is going to incorporate digital twins. 
100%. Everything 100%. has to be digitized. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, you mentioned stuff about marketing and videos and staging and so forth. You know, I thought of real estate and luxury real estate, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's another aspect of digital twins that could really revolutionize how people buy today. It, that's already happening. We've had yeah. um, had a yacht company approach us about digitizing the, the so they could send fancy headsets to their biggest clients. Yeah, so they walk through, you know, so the new yacht before it's done. That that's pretty cool. That is super cool. How does it work with a car? Let's go back to the car. I mean, the average guy he builds a digital twin. I mean, he's going to have his own headset, right? Yeah, you do. And and a lot of the different um, applications that we built and the software you built, they're the companies aren't ready for it yet either. Some of mm-hmm. it's a little pricey to run the servers. To you know, it's a lot of data. Um, but but high end is where it's get at. Get in the car. Technically, let's just say the technology was available and you know reduced cost. Like it's going to be in the future and in the near future, right? Sure. You'll be able to technically get in the car, right? Have the look or feel, feel what it's like when you start the engine. Mm-hmm. BMW yeah. did a uh, pretty cool commercial just this year where they showed how they would be potentially using AI and and those those augmented realities where you have your radio stations just in your vision, heads up, hands free. That's what we call it. Um, and that's where it's going to go. Uh, they don't want you looking at your phone. And, and that takes me to something. Another thing that people aren't thinking about, you say high end real estate, but just your building on you know whatever street and whatever city is fair game. It's going to be fair game. Like these com- like companies that own buildings aren't thinking about that side of the building. If I'm walking down the street and there's say a, a pizza place right on the corner, or you're on the way to one pizza place, I could have on my phone just, just augmented the idea that an advertisement kind of pops up on the side of your phone. You know, you're, you know, you, have, you ever had your nose in your phone, you're trying to find something in the city and you're yeah. walking, 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 walking. And you're trying to find something, but what if something else popped up? It's like, oh, you're looking for pizza? There's one like 10 steps away, you know, or an ad pops up on your phone because, you know, you could use the the Google street and everything is is going to be marketing. You've seen the like dystopian or I guess the the beautiful vision of the future where there's a million AIs trying to get your attention. And Minority Wars. Report was one, uh, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. But that's where it's headed, um, where every, there's another application i can't say the name of it we're launching it later this year but it is built just for that um it it is it's built for being able to put a digital uh commercial on the side of a building or send a digital message to a friend like when they arrive at your apartment you know pull your pull the phone out and look at your door and there's a message for them um overlaid or um little things like that that people don't realize these digital layers are, are already happening. You know, the use geocaching or geo uh, location. And when you all reach a, a reach a location of, you know, whether it be a reward or a message or a coupon or a discount, like it's, it's I get so excited. And I know you're like a little kid in a candy. Yeah. But, the, but, and then that's, that's the problem. I think every interview we, we ever do, like, cause we're dreamers, right? We're like, we're, we're dreaming these things up daily. But Not you're dreaming. actually doing them. I mean, you're doing this with the car dealers and you're doing this with fashion and you're talking about this with healthcare and yeah, right? Like yeah. you mentioned yeah. a fashion, a fashion. you know, we talked about fashion earlier. How is that industry like using digital twins? It's happening. I mean, I know it's in sippy and stages, right? I mean, right, right. It's, it's happening right under 
our nose is happening with our little ones. My daughter uh, plays Roblox religiously. She loves that game. Um, and digital currency, which is another part of it, has become their life. They don't know what a dollar bill is for. They know what Roblox are. They know they don't want, they don't want $20 for Christmas. They want 20 Robux so that they can buy these fashion items, which anything from a skin to a, a, a T-shirt or a, a sports team or um, all of these companies are, by the way, starting to infiltrate Roblox and real brands are in there. You know, instead of just fantasy fashion, there's real fashion items. There's real beanies. Forever 21 is a really good example of they they've obviously closed a lot of stores and but they tried a little experiment in Roblox and they made a little beanie I think it was that they offered and it became wildly popular like everybody wanted this this beanie and directly after they created the real beanie you could buy the real beanie in the store uh, so that's freaking fantastic I mean you could create a multitude of products in digital twin for a fraction of what you would have to manufacture to see what it's like, test it out in certain markets, the ones that go crazy manufacture and sell the shit out of them. Yeah. Right. And so they're already doing this. Yeah, absolutely. If you start to dive in, it's, it's a rabbit hole, uh, virtual reality for sure. But the gaming sector, that's the other, it's all combining and it's all culminating in this, you know, we call them called the metaverse. Um, some are mobile, you know, they're still just on a phone and it's virtual real estate. Uh, we do a project with one called Upland, upland.me, and they have digitized the world, the real estate. And they, they, they actually use pretty geniusly early on. They used uh, like Google street views and to, to overlay the world and plot it out and streets and, and sell the digital versions. And there are hundreds of thousands of people now that own these digital real estates. And now they even reserve some of the locations that are owned by big brands because those big brands are buying them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, building, and building their own layer two uh, advertisements. FIFA, women's soccer is a huge example. And that's a goosebumps one too. Because if, if you have time for one more story. Um, yes, tell us. This just happened last year. I was at Vegas uh, for the Upland um, convention. We were demoing another product of ours. And um, FIFA, which had already started you know, a, a relationship with Upland, started releasing like digital assets in Upland for the players to buy and collect. And they got really excited about it. And then before you know it, there's layer two game makers making little FIFA games. So you have these fan people that are developing just as, out of pure fandom. They're developing for a brand. They didn't even ask them to do it. And they're like, oh, this is, we, we love Upland. Can we create this little soccer game for our, our community to play for FIFA? And, and they did. And FIFA was at the event. Like they were so excited. Like it was so cool that they just don't see the power of community and the power of, of digital ownership yet. Until it, you know, you that that fan base spreads digitally. Yeah, and I saw it firsthand. It was so cool. It was um, they gave an award, I think, to um, the game makers, a woman, uh, a girl game maker that made this really cool uh, soccer game. You know, and it was like that's so cool. But and they didn't pay <laughs> for a dollar of it, right? They just it's a whole digital ownership is powerful. Like you can own a digital race car. It's the same thing as 
like playing Gran Turismo back in the day, a race game where you'll, you, you never thought you'll own a Lamborghini, but you can race in one, but you can own a digital one, you know, and flex. And now the kids, right. the kids right. are flexing everything yeah. digitally. Um, my daughter is, yeah, she, she does it in VR. She does like, not, keep it to a minimum. We try to keep the IRL, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that this, uh, this world is, digital and, and spatial. It is and spatial computing. So, you know, what industries do you, I know you work like all over, but what are the main industries you're working in right now with digital twins? Yeah, that that's a great kind of segue into our gaming projects, which is is where we are. We're um we're, we're we have a web3 project which is based in history. It's a a history-based NFT project that we are creating virtual experiences um, in Unreal Engine. We, we actually have a experience in the Upland world. This is what we were demoing this past year. We like to think that when we create our models or our digital twins, they can be used in a mobile application. They can be used in a virtual application. We build them all the way to 8K as, as realistic and as amazing as we can. So what's happening is we built this particular project it started out as, as a, a history project. My partner uh, from Activision, huge with Call of Duty, he worked in Marvel, a lot of titles. But he, along the way, he met a guy named Tim Hetherington. And uh, Tim Hetherington was a filmmaker, a war documentary. Uh, war, uh, and he um, was responsible for a movie called Restrepo. You can see that on Netflix. And he passed, a, him and Dan became friends through gaming. Dan wanted to learn more about what he did, but he wanted to learn more about what Dan did in gaming. And between the two of them, they wanted to create game experiences that were knowledge transfer, not just a shoot them up and kill people, you know, no regard for what war does to people. Right. Um, it, 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 was, it was a really beautiful relationship because he wanted to bring the stories, Tim Heatherton wanted to bring the stories of war, and Dan wanted to, to build a game that, in essence, could potentially maybe prevent war. If more gamers knew that it's not, you know, this beautiful thing, we can create these digital game experiences and still expose them to real history. So fast forwarding, Tim Heatherton actually passed away before they could complete their, their complete vision. He was uh, killed in Libya uh, and Dan moved that forward. So this really kind of goes full circle to what um, some of the passion behind why, why we do what we did. That, that's mm -hmm. a driver. Um, the project we work on now is called the X, uh, the X NFT. We've brought back commanders from history, uh, some of the most notorious and notable from Napoleon to Sun Tzu, you know, the art of war. And we've created digital twins of these guys. What a cool way to learn history. Oh, my God. Very like, cool way to learn, like, especially for history. I love history, especially for history. But absolutely. you can do this in a multitude of things, right? Like, Joan of Arc. Uh, Joan of Arc. And so... <laughs> This is another rabbit hole, but we created Joan of Arc. We, and to begin this project and fund it, we didn't actually go for VC money. We said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create these amazing digital twins of these real figures in history, which there is no IP ownership of, right? You know, it's long since gone. Uh, like Joan of Arc and Sun Tzu or whatever history, you know, depending on how long it is, that anybody can tell stories about them or tell their history or in whatever medium they wish. So we built these amazing full museum pieces of them we brought back their artifacts their weapons their horses 
we've built it all. All these assets are built. Some have been publicized, not all. And the reason we did even their their weapons is because our society, which is also just gobbles everything up and hoards it for themselves. You know, many of these items are in private collections, you know, like whether it be a sword of Napoleon's or, a, um, you know, different different things. And, you know, as society would show, they, they keep them. They don't show them to the world anymore. Right. They're, yeah. So well, they keep them for their pleasure. But now with these, you can actually like show people. And we have. And, and the idea was that we would this would be our kind of seed money for the project. We'd sell these commanders. You could own this commander and the assets. That's badass. Yeah. And and the first one to sell was Joan of Arc. We were like, wow, there's there was a lot yeah. of interest in yeah. her. Well, you know, she was yeah. a badass. I mean, she's a badass, right? Yeah, she was a badass. I remember her in theology class growing up. Yeah. Right? And so that was the first one. And we were kind of blown away. And it was a it was a pretty Pretty, pretty penny to um, be we're talking about history. We're talking about education. We're talking about collectors. We're talking about, you know, and, and museums, uh, museum shit. museums, auto yeah. dealers, healthcare. I mean, <laughs> without going through so many rabbit holes, you I know, know, I guess the, the point is if you have some semblance of an idea of how a digital twin could be beneficial for your company or your industry, or you have no freaking idea. Yeah. contact Jimmy Hess. Jimmy, how do they get a hold of you? I would say just visit our website, website, modemeta.io. Um, and you can get in touch with me or, our, um, or, or any number of our, our team. So modemeta.io. And um, we'll have them reach out to you on, um, yeah, the website, ask questions. I'm sure you're very willing to talk to people. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> it. I, I, I could do it. I knew this was going to go fast once we talked. And I was like, because we always <laughs> run out of time. And this has been awesome. Because I, every day something new pops up. And that that's how it was this week, even before the show today. Like, I was like, gosh, another amazing application, you know, that people either come to us with or we find the people to, you know, institute it for their products. So. Yeah. Well, you know, best of luck to you and your team. I, I know that there will be new stories that come out, new ways of doing this. and. You know, I can't wait to hear more. And, you know, let's start rocking the term spatial computing. 100%. Thank you. 100%. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with digital twins. And spatial computing. And spatial computing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you've heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.